Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we discuss and read a collection of comic books and a graphic novel. I completely butchered that, but that's fine. I'm your host, Anne. Welcome back, Anne. It's great to see you again. Oh, thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's so great to be here. Anyways, that's enough for me. Um, who's up next? <laughs> I'm Alexis, and welcome back, Anne. We love you so much, and that's why we made you open the episode. Sneaky. <laughs> everyone was waiting for you. Thank you. Definitely didn't spring it on me last minute. It's fine. Definitely did. And I'm Dallas. <laughs> missed you. Salutations, <laughs> Anne. Anne, I missed you so much. My heart missed you. Thank you. I missed you too. And I also missed you, our mysterious fourth guest host, who was my favorite lesbian on the show when I was gone. It's me, Evan. Sorry, I did a dramatic turnaround. It's me. We've forgotten that everybody can see him. Evan on Doom, I'm back. You got a specific shout out on Twitter. Someone was like, you did great on that Annihilation episode. I was like, you did do great on that Annihilation episode. Honestly, whoever you are, I really did appreciate that. I teared up a little bit. It was really nice to get a little shout out like that. So thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that I helped this episode be good. Y'all, can I share a little experience from this week? So I went Mm -hmm. to go to Grant Morrison's launch of their novel, Luda, which was great. And I'm liking the novel a lot so far. But Mm -hmm. I had two people be like, hey, are you Dallas from the Comics Collective? And I was like, I'm the most (laughs) famous man that's ever lived. (laughs) At at Grant Morrison's event. (laughs) I'm famous. I knew about the one. I didn't know there were two. Oh, the one happened. And then someone texted me right after. And they're like, I was too shy to say hello, but I recognize you there. And I was like, I am the least scary person in the entire world. Just one big gummy bear. I'm one giant man with big fluffy hair. Someone was like, I thought it was you. And then I heard your voice and it kind of carried across the room and I knew it was you. And I was like, oh, damn, bitches be loud. And that's how we knew. Guns in the family. I worked at a spa and got in trouble every day talking too loud. That's good. That's good. But yeah, so made me feel famous and people really listen to this show. It's crazy. Wow. People like us. That's awesome. I'm I'm still waiting for that moment. Every time I go to my comic book store, I'm like, there's three people here. One of you knows me. I know it. Please. Please. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come say hi. No. Anyone? No. I live in fuck nowhere. It's fine. We should just make stickers with our logo and leave them in mysterious places and then people will start to listen to us. In whatever rooms you're in, you're just like, ah, hello, my name is Anne, and I'm talking comics. <laughs> Anne, okay, no, Anne but talks comics right here. No, but low right key, talking comics. Low key, I will try to humble brag with the um with my buddy, the owner of the comic store. I'll be like, hey, so you know, we're talking to um Jeff Smith this week. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Just like <laughs> in the earshot of anyone, just like I'm gonna just flex that. Yeah, we talked to Kelly Thompson last week. That was pretty neat. Um, loving the show that I do. The show. Is on a really first name cool. basis. <laughs> on a first name basis with um with all these people. I know it's there wonderful. was a uh, a book talk thing on TikTok today. It was like one of the coolest writers ever is Tilly Walden. I just comment in there like I know Tilly Walden. She is <laughs> I very actually cool. would probably be <laughs> if I ever saw Tilly Walden in person. I had the honor to give my coworker two of Tilly Walden's books this weekend, Ooh. and she said she was going to read them. I'm very excited. But I told her if I don't mm. get them back, I'll come to her house. <laughs> we need a status report on that next week i need to well, know she was going out of town this weekend she said she'd bring him on a plane so hopefully she likes them they're getting awesome. left in another country i can already see it with my third she's eye. going to arizona so basically but yeah <laughs> 
Were well, just... oh, Travis ahead. just measured the size of his forehead with his finger. I saw that. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually pantomiming a third eye opening, but I have been worried about my hairline lately. It's oh, your hairline crazy. is fine. I you know, have enough just... hair for six people. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's the only thing I got going for me. If it goes away, I don't know what. <laughs> you have on. no personality. Exactly. <laughs> All you got is good hair and a fine ass. Personality. You can't it. go off very. Cheese is your personality. Like, anyway, everyone what about this has week? great hair. Wait, what? Oh, we're talking about Invincible this week again. Um, yeah. So if those of you who've been following us for a little while, you might know we talked about the first quarter of Invincible about a month ago, issues number one through 36. This time we tackled the next part. We got halfway through Invincible now. We are now issues 37 through 72, right? That's what we did? Yes. Yeah, yes. that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, and we are a good ways into the story. We're starting to see the plot move in ways that people who've watched the TV show can probably not even comprehend. And that's really, really exciting. So if you've only seen Invincible through that show and you don't want any spoilers for potential upcoming seasons, I definitely recommend jumping into the comic first before checking out this episode because we will not hold back with all the crazy shit that happens in this part of Invincible. And for anyone who might be a little rusty, just to give you a quick breakdown on what happened in this part of Invincible, we caught back up with Mark, who had to save his best friend from the, what were they called? What, they were the, uh, I completely forget the drones. Animan, right. Everything in this sounds completely fake. It sounds like something to be in a comic book, a comic book inside a comic book. That's every name in here. And I remember Flaxons, by the way. Um, and Mark we start the story with Mark really struggling with his anger because he really, really goes off on the guy who's making the anime and who tortured all these people. And we also see the start of a gap growing between him and Cecil, who has been, you know, pretty much a governmental father figure to Mark through this um, entire comic so far, as he's going behind Mark's back to do some really shady things like hiring the guy who tortured all the people and made all the anime, which is not fun. We also see the rise of Mark's brother, Oliver, as Kid Omni-Man, which is, you know, fun. Always, always, good to take the, always good to take the name of the villain. And um, Mark got a new costume for a while. We see Mark's relationship with Amber deteriorate and his relationship with um, Adam Eve Blossom, which is really, really fun to see. Um there's so much that happens in this part of the story. Um, what else major? Oh, yeah, we get to see Omni-Man and Alan meet up in space because Alan, who got really torn to shreds last time, came back better and stronger than ever and willingly got himself c- captured by the Viltrumites to rescue Omni-Man and to see why he defected. And they kind of become best buddies, which is a really great subplot. We- I love the growth for Omni-Man that happens here. This is when his character really starts to blossom for me because he starts going through all these really complex changes. Very, very fun. And... Whew! Okay, we get to see the sequins on Mars, which rise up. Mark has to fight them with the Guardians of the Globe and they sneak their way back to Earth and they eventually cause problems again in like 30 issues. What am I forgetting here? We got... Oh, we got Angstrom Levy who finally shows up and wreaks some havoc. And not once, but twice, decides to play some multiversal chaos in Mark's life, first trapping him in an alternate reality where Mark accidentally kills him, 
leading into Mark struggling with um, some of his issues of rage and whether or not it's morally okay for him to kill, which is one of the most fascinating themes of this little section of Invincible. Because he has that back and forth with Oliver a lot. Because Oliver's like, I don't see any problem with killing these people. I don't care about these people at all. And that's always fun when the child is like, I'm ready for murder. I'm ready to kill. (laughs) And Angstrom Levy then comes back for the multiverse of madness of my generation, the Invincible War, where he pulls in evil versions of Mark from all over the multiverse to completely ruin Mark's image, his reputation, and destroy the planet. And then on top of that, we get to meet some new Viltrumite villains from... Her name is Anissa, right? Nailed it. And Conquest, both of whom I hate for different reasons. But Conquest is terrifying in a good way. Anissa, not so much, but we'll get there eventually. Um, Conquest scares the shit out of me. And Evan, Evan's right there with me on that one. He's basically Conquest evil Santa is the Claus. greatest character of all time. He's amazing. I love him. Michael Did Ironside you- is going to play him in the show. I know it. Write that down right here, right now. <laughs> All right. Come back to this podcast in one year. Terrifying. Michael Ironside. Got it. Did you, you know, just say he's evil Santa Claus? I did. He's Claus from another reality. <laughs> Does anyone here, have any of you watched um, Parks and Rec? <laughs> of course. Remember the other Ron? The one with the deep <gasps> voice Ron? like this. Yeah. Oh. That is also in Deadwood. He plays like a cowboy and everything. Oh. That's who is Conquest's voice in my head. Wow. Oh. Okay. I can see that. That's who I got. Oh my gosh. Conquest. Like this right. is terrifying. Brutal. Fucking terrifying. All the from this point out, the Viltrumites start getting really scary. And that's <laughs> ooh, I'm, I'm I love, still thinking. I love how spooky they are, but how little they are at the same time. There are not <laughs> enough of them for how many how much hype they get, little bitches. <laughs> did I make us accidentally end on one of the best cliffhangers? You ever? did. You I thought asshole. you. I thought you I was planned really that. Like, was really, oh, that was, that was accidental. <laughs> accidental cliffhanger. Jerk. That rules. Yeah, because we end with Omni Man coming back to Earth with Alan saying, "Hey, we got to take care of the Viltrumites." Because surprise, there's only fifty of us left in the entire galaxy. So if we're gonna do this shit, we got to do it now. And so Mark and Oliver leave with him. But they find out the Conquest, who Mark thought he killed, was still alive, and they engage in an epic battle in space, where Conquest literally goes down, dragging Mark's guts out of his stomach. And it is one of the most visceral, like, stomach-churning pages I've ever seen in a comic. It's the only one that actively makes me, like, cringe as I'm reading it, because it's so, so awful. And it just ends there with Mark lying bloody with a massive hole in his stomach on an alien planet. And that's... A hell of a... That's the end of season three. I guarantee that's the end of season three. <laughs> oh, this book is very good. Did I forget so anything? Because I think the only other thing I um, can think of is the fact that Rexplo died. We got to see a few members of the Guardians of the Globe just kind Rexplo of Rexplo did away. not die. He did. He die? He died. Oh, no. He blew up. Yeah. He died oh, in the Civil no. War. Yes, I forgot. Him. He charged the skeleton. so quickly because he almost dies in um when he's fighting the Lizard League, and I totally no. forget that he just dies no, he in <laughs> Invincible War, like very like not anticlimactically, but just kind of like as a throwaway, basically. Yeah, no, but anticlimactically yeah. in that fight with the Lizard League, the little shrinking dude died. Anyway, <laughs> just, yeah. I, th- I I thought he died later, and he's just like, oh, that's it. He's Freaking. he's just gone. Oof. Um, Oof. gosh, there's so much Freaking Monster Girl and. Then. And robot disappear into the Flaxen dimension. 
So they're off there doing some hijinks that I'm sure won't come back to bite anyone on the butt. Um, yeah, what else? Did I miss uh, anything? The sequins uh, have a big sequ- moment. Sequins. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nim Squilliams. The sequins come back. Uh, yeah, um, everyone, this this comic is so packed to the freaking brim that there's, <laughs> we, we only read 36 issues, but it feels like we read 80. What's crazy is when we read the first 36 issues, I honestly was like, I don't know that there's a ton to talk about, which sounded crazy, but it felt like a lot of setting up, a lot of like basic superhero stuff that was fun. <laughs> but that episode, I felt myself trying to figure out ways to like flesh out the hour. Whereas yeah. with this chunk, I was like, this is when it became invincible. Yeah, right. And this was a superhero thing, unlike anything else that dealt with questions that you as a superhero fan have that are never going to be dealt with in big two comics. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we'll be struggling to cram everything into this episode instead of the problem of last time. Oh yeah. It's just, it surprises me how deep it gets into a bunch of different moral quandaries. Because one of my favorite parts I mentioned earlier is just Mark learning to struggle with his own power and his own strength. Because this this chapter sees him getting stronger, pushing himself to get stronger because he knows he has to because the Viltrumites are going to keep coming back to check on him now. So he has to keep pushing himself. And the more and more he goes on, the more that Viltrumite side of him takes over and the anger he gets. And we see that when he unleashes his anger on um, characters like um, I forget his name, but the creator of the Reanimen and um, on Angstrom Levy. Yeah, Sinclair. The... Thank you. And I'm so glad that you all have like encyclopedic knowledge of all these names because I definitely don't. Um, it's just we see Mark really come into his own in these 36 issues. And it was mentioned by Conquest at the end where he's like, he's almost as strong as you are when he's talking to Omni-Man. And I'm like, that happened in a very short amount of time. Because Omni-Man, the last time they fought each other, he kicked Invincible's ass. But now mm-hmm. Invincible's on that level. He's, like, stepping up onto that level. And that's insane. It's crazy that they convincingly sell the power scaling in this comic. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't physically see the hits hitting harder. But you can get it from the context within the comics that the power levels have increased. Okay. Oh. What does everyone think about going back to that point about how Mark is going, the addition of Oliver as sort of like a sidekick to him and how he plays off of Mark's own morals? What do we think about that progression? I feel like it really flushes out how seriously Mark takes his um, his morals. Like he really fully believes in his own mind being a hero on the bottom line, like you're not killing people. Like, you don't kill your villains. I remember when I was reading this, of course, this is my first time through, mm-hmm. when Oliver freaking kills the twins and everyone is like, what the fuck just happened? This 10-year-old just gutted these full-size men. Like, everybody is like, oh, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. And I feel like Mark really had a full-on identity crisis. He was like, this is so scary, and I don't know what to do with this new knowledge that I have. Because Oliver, like you mentioned earlier, he doesn't care. He's like, I don't see the problem with this. They're bad Mm -hmm. guys. They were hurting people we care about. They're, They're a threat to us, so I'm going to kill them. Like, that just, it just makes sense in his mind. Because 
I really feel like Mark, the whole reason that he has this moral compass, compass inside of him is because he was able to grow up without those powers, if that makes sense. He was a human first and then had these powers as a later teen, early adult. And I feel like since um, Oliver's other, like his his genetics from his mother's side, he is obviously maturing so much faster. Even in just this span of 30-something issues that we read, he goes from an infant to like 15, 16 years old. Like he is rapidly changing and he just doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit. He's not, he's not building relationships with people. He's not seeing the magnitude of what he's doing. And I really feel like that's such a big part of his personality. And I think it's starting to flesh out how Mark feels about it as well. Right. Because we are kind of presented with this hard thing and it comes up multiple times throughout this that I've also realized where Mark could have saved himself a lot of trouble if he thought the way that Oliver did. And he kind of like is torn. He goes back and forth. Like he has these villains and these enemies that pop back up because he's not quote unquote killing them. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's just such an interesting plot point for this portion of the book because it really, you can just feel the tension rolling off of Mark because he's like, I want to be a good person. He's like, I know I'm a good person, but I don't think that I can do both, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah, I really like that Oliver like calls him out on the hypocrisy because it goes back to like what Invincible has kind of always been about. It started as like that really like this is just a superhero book. This is another superhero book. This is what to expect. And then it gets turned on its head. And I think this does that again because there's that typical superhero, the unspoken moral of the the hero doesn't kill. And a lot of times comics have their ways of justifying that. But this feels like the first time where a comic is actually forced to to face that and say, well, this, we, we, you know, we're not going to be a comic that's going to have to go on forever and ever, so we don't need to have the Joker keep breaking out of Arkham, so why don't we just kill these characters? Why don't we just kill the villains? And Oliver calling out Mark on the moments where he does break his own rule, because Mark is very adamant about it, even though he accidentally believed he killed Angstrom Levy and was willing to kill others. It's... I like that it puts Mark in a corner that way. I like that it actually turns it into a, a debate instead of something that's just kind of shrugged off because, you know, you have to keep it off. Yeah. The only thing I don't think I liked about this was just that, well, I do like that the one thing we kind of missed talking about is that Oliver isn't human at all and Mark is. Mm-hmm. So Mark grew up with these people that look like him, act like him, and basically are him. With or without powers, you've always had that experience. Right. So he always related to the human race because of that. Um, Oliver didn't grow up on this planet, um, very clearly remembers his childhood and what life like and culture like is on from his home planet, even though he was a baby at the time, and doesn't have that connection, even though his mother, his new mother is from this planet. So he does have that moment where Oliver's just like, I'm not from here. These are my people. What are you talking about? Um, the one thing I don't like, though, is that there's kind of abruptly a change for Oliver, where one day he's just kind of like... Um, you're right. I shouldn't. Uh, I should be more respectful to you. If you could trust these people or want the best for them, then I should believe in their growth too. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. They go back and forth for a few issues, and then that just happens. And then Oliver's totally flipped all of a sudden, where he's not really having that debate anymore. But Mark is still having that debate within him. So it's kind of a weird thing that I don't know if it was just Robert Kirkman being like, "I'm done with this, so let's move on and just focus on Mark specifically," or if I just missed something where Oliver had a big moment where he was like, actually, maybe I'm wrong. So that would be my only complaint about that. 
I could definitely see that. It, and, you know, honestly, I completely get behind the Robert Kirkman just saying, eh, this is too much. I don't need to spend all my time having a moral debate in this comic. I'm just going to go back to having some fun. <laughs> I think something that I really like about Olivier, the French icon, <laughs> is mm. his role as Damien Wayne as super <laughs> villain hero person. You know, like, <laughs> it's so clear that in the creation of Mark Grayson, that Robert Kirkman looked to Dick Grayson, Nightwing, and a little bit Wally West. I feel like the Lizard League is a very fun nod to the Serpent Society that's like a recurring villain of Mark Wade's Flash run. And so looking at Mark Grayson, you continue on forward and you can see Robert Kirkman be like, okay, that dynamic from Morrison's Batman and Robin is so fun with the little brooding Robin and the big tall Batman that is fun. It's fun to see that carried out here and mm-hmm. bounce back and forth. And Oliver's got to be one of my favorite characters in Invincible. I love his dynamics with each character. I love this idea of Mark being so hard on him because Mark didn't have anybody teaching him how to be a superhero. His dad bounced so early and their relationship is very interesting as Oliver continues mm-hmm. to grow. Because I think, like you said, Evan, Oliver comes to this conclusion very quickly, but there's also an amount of Oliver just gets it quicker than other people with a lot of mm-hmm. things. They talk so often about how he's going to start teaching them things there. He's learning at a pace that no one else can keep up with. And so I think he becomes a really interesting logical foil to Mark Grayson, something that Grant Morrison said that I really liked about Star Trek. They said that Star Trek is fun because you have Kirk's mind laid out in front of him. Like Spock is the logic and I don't remember the medic's name, but the medic Bones. is, or maybe it wasn't Bones, but there's another character. Bones, Scotty. Like, Scotty is the pathos of Kirk. And so Kirk, mm-hmm. instead of having like an inner turmoil, gets to just have that turmoil play out outside of him where there's the emotions, there's the logic, and then there's Kirk who's trying to decide between those two things. And that's what makes Star Trek interaction so great. And so I think making Oliver the almost logical part of Mark's brain and letting Mark be the emotional part of that creates really fun friction. I agree. And it also helps that Cecil gets thrown into the mix where you have a moral authority who's trying to decipher for himself what is morally just in and what can or can't happen. So Cecil's saying like, you can't kill, you can't do this. But then Cecil's also flipping on his own word when he needs to, Mm -hmm. or employing quote unquote bad guys when he needs to. And Mark's confused about that. And then Cecil's going like, well, why do you get to do it? And I can't do it. There's a lot of that back and forth um, between all three of those characters. I wish, I kind of wish that Oliver and Cecil had more interaction, um, but it makes sense why they couldn't have it. Um, so I don't know if there was a better way of also like incorporating that, but it's it's a lot. I'm thinking about Oliver. The one thing I also noticed with him is besides just being a good moral foil foil for Mark, I think he's a good indicator of how successful this series is at um conveying um tension and stress because every time that Oliver goes into a fight with Invincible, I start freaking out. Because 
I've seen Invincible go through it, and I keep remembering that this is a kid, this is a child, and he is so headstrong and certain that he's going to be perfectly fine and keeps jumping into the most dangerous situations. And I keep thinking one of these times it's going to be the one where it goes so horribly wrong. And I'm waiting for this kid to just bite it so, so quickly. And it's like, I know what happens to Oliver. I know his story. I know how it plays out. And I'm still freaking out every single time he jumps into a fight because I don't remember if he gets hurt or not. Yeah. It's really interesting how much, like, even though I kind of more remembered, because I read this again more recently, um, mm-hmm. again, for the 500th time. But uh, <laughs> but it was interesting, like, especially with, like, the conquest issues, how much the comic still is able to, like, grip me every single time. Like, I was reading through mm-hmm. the conquest issue conquest issues and as soon as he shows up i go oh fuck oh no this this early this happens now like every single time i have that reaction I'm like how what's, what's gonna happen how they, they just had the, the whole city just got destroyed like the whole world just got fucking ran over and now this maniac is coming in oh my god so it's really interesting how the comic is just always remaking those memories and emotions for me every time i read it mm-hmm God, the fact that Conquest shows up immediately after Invincible War is just... It's insane. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that doesn't happen in any other comic. Every other comic is like, we're going to... We had just had a huge thing, so we could give you a moment to breathe now. We're going to have a moment to just kind of decompress, take in what just happened, and we can talk about it. You know, it's like comics are like, we're going to have a therapy session for one issue. <laughs> Invincible's like, I'm going to kick you while you're down. I'm going to yeah. kick you in the face. And they did, and it was lovely. What's really fun about this section is the changeover to the blue suit for Mark becomes symbolic mm-hmm. of this morally sticky area. Yeah. Right. Someone called it the black suit Spider-Man era of Invincible. And ever since then, that's the only way I can frame it, that we yeah. have to see Mark <laughs> battle with harder issues. And then there, within what we read, though, there is a really triumphant, OK, we have dealt with that and we're going to move into now a more informed bright era like there's a yeah. naive bright era and then there's this dark murky era but then coming out of this we're again able to be bright and shining and i think that's a cool yeah. message from invincible oh, that yeah. you don't have to become morally gray like yeah i'm gonna go into a little bit of a tangent here but i've been thinking about both the show the rings of power and the show house of the dragon which i both i like both of them a lot and one is all about moral complexity and gray areas. And the other one is a pretty cut and dry good versus evil and good is the right choice. And I think it's so interesting that the morally gray one is seen as the more grounded, realistic, like real to life version. And it makes me a little bit sad because ultimately I want to believe in the ideals of hope, betterment, that good will triumph And so I liked that Invincible got to a place where it said it isn't more grown up to just roll around in the mire. Like Mm -hmm. this is something we wanted to explore, but Mark can even mature past this. And I like that a lot. That's kind of the the central message of the comic book Flex Mentalo, that it's like a teenage grumpy boys version of adulthood to look at everything as like morally gray and you can grow past that and realize that good things can be mature and fun as well. I think that's why a lot of superhero comics have the followings they do. I think it's because a lot of people are looking for that, that dynamic, that very specific dynamic. And I think Invincible captures it in 
a way that not a lot of other comics get the chance to because Invincible has an angle. Invincible has a Best Buy date. Invincible is going to stop at some point. And that's that's really great that we get to see an arc that plays out to its conclusion. But going off that, talking about different arcs, I want to talk about some of the different relationships that we see expanded upon in this arc. Um, and specifically, I want to focus first on Amber and on Samantha, on Adam Eve, and how their relationship with Mark changes during this arc. What do we think about the way that Mark's, um, <laughs> Mark's two, two ladies, how did that go down? I remembered Amber so much worse than I liked her this time. Like I said this really? last episode, <laughs> but Amber's my girl. I feel yeah. like she is justified in being like, Mark, you're trash. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the story obviously wants him to end up with Amber, his Mary Jane character. But I think, or Eve, his Mary Jane character. Yeah. But I think Amber ends up having so much more to her than like the Gwen Stacy to Peter Parker relationship where she has mm -hmm. her personality. She has agency. She affects and changes Mark in a real way. I love, I love the relationships in this comic. I mean, this comic is still first and foremost about Mark as a person. Mm -hmm. And those two are definitely relegated to supporting character roles, but I think that they are among the strongest supporting characters in the book. I agree. Lexi, what do you think? Once Sorry. you get unmuted, there we go. Sorry, I was muted. <laughs> I couldn't find my mute button. Um, sorry, I got a text message from one of my coworkers that made me have him email me something. So I'm sure I looked like an idiot while I was just replying to that email. I'm just like <laughs> real up close in the in the in the uh, microphone. So you were just worried about. I did we're wonder what you were doing. I thought someone had something in their teeth for a second. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I <laughs> one of the, yeah. Sorry, new job. <laughs> Urgent we can thing. come back to you if you yeah, want. Yeah, maybe can... come back to let's, me. I'm yeah, sorry. Let's... I'm listening now. <laughs> I promise. I had a heart attack. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Evan, so you up next then. Yeah, so we all know what we're talking about, which is the relationship between Mark and Amber and Mark and Samantha, aka Adam Eve. Um, and we all heard what Dallas and Ann said, but I will now say what I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate uh, it. No, I'm, not, I'm just saying it, you know, because we all know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought, I, I, I agree with Dallas in that Amber... Now I have a better understanding of where the character is going uh, on the fourth fucking read through. And I actually like the character a lot more than I did in the past. And the show definitely helped with that too. I still think that there's aspects to the writing of the character that is very serving of specifically Mark and not Amber, which again is inherent in a comic that's specifically focused on Mark, but also in a comic that's so focused on exploring other characters, like just side random characters in, in mm -hmm. bigger ways. Like, we get a moment where Darkwing has like a, a, a side conversation that really doesn't affect any of the story going forward, um, where it's just him talking about like how other people view him, even though he knows he's a murderer and he thinks everyone else knows that he fucked up that badly. We have like the conversations between, um, I don't even know the character's names, that magma guy and the guy with the parasite in his chest, you know, and they have like more coming up that's a little bit more complex for the relationship and stuff. So we get all these moments with side characters that feel really building. And we get that with Amber. But Amber's also still a big character that I feel like we don't get enough time with. Um, and we really just, this is the most we get with her, to be honest. Like, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but this is kind of 
the biggest moment she has. And it's kind of a shame because she does seem like she should be up there with Adam Eve or even um, at least Art, like Art Rosenbaum, who also doesn't get a lot to do. But both of those seem like characters that should be up more, but instead get thrown to the wayside to serve specifically Mark and sometimes Omni-Man. So I kind of wish that Amber got more. I'm glad uh, Adam Eve. I'm glad we kind of like ripped that bandaid off over these 72 issues where Adam Eve is finally like the love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, back and forth, it's really fun and everything. But at some point, it's like, all right, let's let's get this over with. And it's also interesting how much how much Robert Kirkman is just like, we all know it's coming to be Adam Eve. And I'm still going to make y'all wait after these two break up and make it worse for a second. Just, like if this was a Spider-Man comic, people would flip out on the internet. <laughs> they would not be having a nice time if they're like, finally, we're getting Mary Jane. What the hell? No, no. <laughs> and you have 10 more issues where they're like, on, like, they're like I'm not going to talk to you. Why aren't you talking to me? I'm not talking to you. So, uh, I love them both, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I love the moment where she shows up immediately after, like, Mark broke up with Amber. Is like, are we dating or what? And he's like, yeah. no. <laughs> no, what? Can <laughs> I grieve? Just, like, stone-faced, just, like, walks. She doesn't even say anything after that. She just, like, walks out. And Rick's yeah. like, well, what happened? She was, like, crying. That's so funny. I literally did that to a kid in high school and then never spoke to him again. Oh, I was like, hell yeah. asshole. <laughs> anyway. Certified here's, boss moment. Yeah, yeah go I ahead. was like, listen up. But here's my opinion on these mm-hmm. two females. Lovely women, by the way. Love them both. Um, I genuinely feel, and this might be a little spicy take, a little spicy take, because obviously I know that Adam, Eve, and Mark are endgame. They're lovely, lovely couple. But I think Mark would have stayed with Amber a lot longer if he hadn't met future Eve. Future yeah. Eve threw him through a loop and he didn't know mm. how to handle it. And we really, we literally saw him be like, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do, Mr. Costume Man. Help me. Help me. <laughs> and I really think that it shook him up. It shook him up for sure because he, we, we all know that he loved Amber. Amber was a really great, really great character. Loved her so much. And we even saw even when he went back and roughed up her new boyfriend for putting his hands on her like she called him and was like my new boyfriend has hit me and it was a really hard thing and he went and he did something about it and I don't think that you would be in the position as a character to do that unless you genuinely cared about that person Mm -hmm. and I feel like it was a really really tough situation for Mark and I really do feel like he would not have been with Eve as soon as he has quote unquote if he hadn't met future her because can you imagine can you imagine like the girl that you think is really hot you're like yeah she's really hot but i do have a girlfriend so i'm gonna keep dating my girlfriend like one does but then all of a sudden you you meet like 35 year old her and she's like i never got over you even though we're like 17 at the time but i never got over you and i'm in love with you that would that would be troubling that would really be troubling i yeah i could i could see that that could probably be problematic (laughs) i would weigh on you just a little and I don't blame Eve, current Eve, our Eve, for being upset that he mentioned that to her. She's like, this yeah. is a pity date. I don't want to pity date you because you think, because it's a real thing. So <laughs> it was definitely an interesting read through for my first time to see how this ended and they started. So it was definitely interesting to say the least for me. I really like that we finally get Adam Eve as a character in this. Like mm-hmm. I reading it in quarters has been so interesting because I only ever have read this as like one big thing. 
right. beginning to end. And so it was interesting to see how absent Adam Eve felt from the first 36 issues, like knowing how big of a character she is. It felt like, oh, my hell, finally to have her who is one of my favorite characters finally here. So I guess I wonder what everyone just thinks outside of their relationship with Mark. What do we think of Adam Eve? She freaking rules and no one can change my mind. I want her to whisk me away to Africa. The end. (laughs) She's really, really cool. And I like the way that this comic ups her powers. There's that really, really scary moment in the conquest arc where it's like, did they just fridge her? They get, it it gets really close. She gets beat to hell, but then her powers resurrect her ass and you get more into like her backstory and I hate that you have to like it has like the little insert there. It's like you want to know more, go read her spinoff. And it's like, no, I want to, I want to know more. Can we put more here, please? Give it to me now. Give it to me now. Inject it into my veins because I need to know more about Adam Eve. She's a wonderful, wonderful character who I feel like I, I don't want to say too much because I've read through the whole thing already. She never gets that place for me. That's like I feel like I'm satisfied with Adam Eve. She's always just like that character who's like, she's really great. There's some really great potential here. I just wanted to explore it more. I agree with the woman. <laughs> I feel, I'm, 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 <laughs> Thank you, Evan. The ladies That's are nice. correct. Adam okay. um, <laughs> is yeah, awesome. Uh, she doesn't have enough to do. I wish she had more. Uh, also, her spinoff's not very good. I'm going to say that right now. So Oof. you really just don't get anything from her in comparison to, again, Mark. But again... It's hard because Mark's book, but at the same time, you have like multiple times where we just go, ah, enough talking about Mark. Let's go focus on Omni-Man and Alan. Yep. So why don't we ever get that for Adam Eve? Maybe it's because she's too close to Mark, but I would honestly just read like a miniseries with her, I don't know, doing stuff around the world before her and before she sells like in Africa. But at the same time, I don't know. Yep. Don't, I don't know. Or, All I can say is this book does not pass the Bechtel test and um, it's... That's pretty common. So it actually, yeah, I think so far that actually might be true. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's it's very it's very crazy how often it becomes oh. a true statement when you start looking yeah. for it. It's it's crazy. Comics are fun sometimes. Not that that makes it the book bad. All Not right? that it makes the book bad, but it could it just have been means better. it's yes, exactly. <laughs> there we go. And also, it's canceled. Also, it's canceled. I'm getting on Twitter. I'm starting the hashtag after this. Everyone, keep your eyes out for. I don't know what's a good what's a good t- hashtag to cancel Invincible. Uh, Invincible Castle. Invincible Invincible Castle. Invincible I'm doing my best. You want to know something hashtag very Invincible? Hashtag cancelable. Cancelable. <laughs> we did it. Can I admit yeah. something very annoying about myself that I learned while oh, reading this? I don't think I like this as much now that everybody knows about it. Like when I first oh. read Invincible, oh, okay. I know mm-hmm. it's annoying about me. Like the yeah. first time I read Invincible, it was like, I don't know anybody that has talked about this thing. <laughs> this rules. I love this comic. This is like my little hidden gem off to the side. And like with the show and like the rise in popularity and me also just meeting more people. I realized mm-hmm. like everybody likes Invincible. Like Invincible is great. And so it's almost become just like this commonplace. I'm like, well, yeah, of course, Invincible's great. Like, and I am so annoyed at myself for being harder on this book now because more people like it, and that That's makes so me funny. like it. Less. Oh, That's a very I, annoying thing about myself that I learned. You're my favorite that. person. Yeah, I love hipster Dallas. It's great. It. There's oh. like a real part of me that was like, hmm. 
like I saw this post today on Twitter. Someone's like, who's your favorite non-DC and Marvel character? And they had a picture of Mark Grayson. And I was like, it's a basic ass choice. I just like, kept, <laughs> I just, like, kept scrolling. And I was like, I'm the worst. I was like, that's a very valid answer. Why am I the worst? That's so funny. <laughs> it's like, mm, who else do you like, Homelander? Mm. <laughs> We had two very different reactions to that post because I saw the same one and I'm like, is it appropriate to respond with the bondage lesbians? Is that appropriate? Or are they asking for superheroes? I don't know what's happening here. I was like, why don't you pick something real like Jupiter's Legacy by Mark Miller and Frank Quigley? <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, oh, Suggest, okay. We, we jumped into a Mark Miller world. We've got to change topic here. I, the Quite. Ultimates is still fresh in my mind. I can't. You know, here's my, you want my spicy take? Oh, Mark Miller, Mark Miller from like 2015 to 2017 put out some of the best comic books of that era, Mm -hmm. but he was so bad in like the early 2000s that I refuse to accept that he put out that many good books. I'm like, I'm not going to give them to you, Mark. All right. I have two questions real quick. Mm -hmm. First form, first question. Is it Mark Miller or Mark Millar? Uh, yes. Morrison Morrison says Miller. And they okay. were very close friends. So I okay. assume that. Second right. question. Was there a Serpent Society in Wally West's run? I know it's probably- You're still thinking about that too? Okay, I was, yeah. I was as well. No, Serpent <laughs> Society is definitely Marvel, Dallas. Okay, good. Well, what, are the, so, what are the snake people called in Wally West's run? There's a whole it's thing. Cobra, right? Okay, I'm pretty sure it's Cobra. Cobra. Okay. I oh, didn't want to yeah. be a nerd, well, but at the same time, well, it was me. I was like, we're going to get tweeted at about this, and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All right, first yes. off, well, fuck me, I guess. Okay, so the it's snake the cobra people, cult, cobra cult. That's first off. That's GI Joe. So fact check yourself. <laughs> cobra. All right, so there Wally West was fighting the Danger Noodle Club, and <laughs> screw you two. Honestly, well, I was just asking a question. I can't ask a question now. No, I can't ask no. a question. No. I'm not going to get what I was Jesus talking Christ. about. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. I just, I just had to clear it up. Can we talk about... It's been fun talking about the story, everyone. Can we talk about the real stuff now? Can we talk about Ryan Otley's artwork and how it's changed oh. and evolved? Well, let's talk Conquest. All right. Do we yeah, want to talk, talk about Conquest, Conquest first? Do we... No, wait. You know I what I want to like... talk about? No, it's not hmm. about Ryan Otley. What do you want to talk about, Lexi? I want to talk about how the fact that I forgot that Adam Eve was pregnant and that it was never addressed again, and I'm having a crisis about it, and I need somebody oh, to tell me. boy. I need somebody to tell me if it's be... real. There's something that's going to be addressed next month. It'll be addressed. Okay, more okay. issues. That's all I need to know. Because we started talking about her, and then I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I really just forget? Did I really just forget this whole, through the whole thing, that that was said, and then it never came up again? And yeah, also, she, Mark doesn't know. And he got his guts ripped out on a planet. He's dying on a planet, and she's got his baby. I also love how she went to, what's his face? What's his name? The friend. And she was like, Rick. Just, no, yeah. no, Rick. no, Wait, it wasn't Rick. The nerdy one. Stinkleton. The turd one. The one that know, lived with she, Rick. Yes. But she was like, isn't it funny how oh. I came to you? You must be something like my only friend. And he goes, wow, thanks. Oh. William? Oh. William. William. Yeah. William. Yeah. Fucking Bill. William. Bill. Bill. <laughs> also, Bill. can we talk about the time that Adam Eve used her clothes to patch up her wounds and make her boobs bigger? Yeah. Can we talk about how that was a scene that happened? <laughs> I was reading this and I was like, 
All right, so uh, we're, we're that we're that kind of comic. Guys rule. <laughs> I was like, this one's for the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. <laughs> okay, I'm done. That was all wait, wait, for the yeah, boys. Thank you, quick, Lexi, for being that, this chaos. Did you see that TikTok where um, it's a guy who's a fitness dude and he's running on. He like gets up. It's a duet. Or is, it, is that what's called on TikTok? A duet? Stitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a stitch duet. So they have on the one side a guy getting up on a treadmill. He's like a bodybuilder. And he has, you know, a very fat ass. And so he's getting <laughs> up there. And the guy on the side is like watching going, whoa. And then it, the one where it's the guy on the treadmill cuts to someone, another guy, be like. And so the other guy's like, oh, oh. And the guy goes, that's right, ladies, I got you. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, ladies, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That was hilarious. I saw that like right before I got on this. I was laughing about it for like five minutes straight. (laughs) That's the same reaction. If we're talking about cake, I want to talk about Corey Walker's cake that he draws on Omni Man. When when Corey Walker comes back to do art, he's like, "There are two things I know about Omni Man. He's got an ass and a giant dick." And those are the two (laughs) things that are going to be prominent in every single shot. So sad. Yeah, exactly. No wonder she went to alcoholism for 30 <laughs> issues. She's like, I'm never going to get a 13-inch Omni dick again. poor woman. Can you imagine yeah. all of a sudden you hear, well, first of all, you hear that your husband just like up and left and started banging a bug and then has a kid with the bug and then came back and was like, yeah, sorry, you had a kid with the bug. How would you, how would you, how would you listen, react to that man she, in your living room? She knows the answer to the question if he would still love her if she turned into a worm. <laughs> Omni Man has a firm whole is whole policy. You know, gosh. So my next question is the greatest bromance in comic book history, Alan and yes. Nolan. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Every time there's an issue of those two, I just can't help but hear like X gon' give it to you. Gon' give it to you. <laughs> also, though, I do have to say when Nolan was crashing on Alan's couch and oh being his wife every single day, so funny. I was like, Oh, I love that for you. Go go, Alan. <laughs> Get it. It got to the point where every time I'd see a Corey Walker panel be like bomb, bomb. Bum, bum, bum. It was like muffled, and I could hear it getting closer as I was flipping the pages. It's, it's so crazy because that character development happens in like three pages at the beginning yeah. of an issue, which is like, yeah, yeah, we just went prison together, we hung out, we talked, we became best friends, and it, that's enough to sell it. Love it. Gonna give it to you, gonna give it to you, and they just beat the shit out of everything. They yeah. rule. They're awesome. Beef they punch that talent. one dude together so hard that his head explodes. It it's rules. awesome. Listen, Alan. when Alan comes out just like a beefcake, it's perfect. They're my favorite part. Oh, I love that he offered him his little travel snacks that are alive and creepy little crawlies. I also love that Omni-Man was like, I fly everywhere. I don't want shoes. Toes out. Indestructible skin. Toes in the water. Ass in the sand. Got a giant... Viltrumite schlong, cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. I knew I should have stopped you after toes in the water, but I just, I just let it go. I just You're let just it keep going. see where it goes. Adios and via Invincible. Um, <laughs> I'm still too drugged up. I, my reactions aren't great. Her reaction time's slow. You're still so operating like slow there. time, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give Conquest his due. Let's finish oh. up the story talk before I shift us into talking about Dallas's craft corner. 
<laughs> yes. Evan, start us off on Conquest. Talk to us about this terrifying fucking villain that we got. First off, the amount of villains we get that are so cool in this like run right up to like this point is so phenomenal. We didn't even talk about Powerplex, who I think is a fantastic <gasps> character and dilemma I mean, for Mark's like whole arc. Right. What are you saying? And we that? met Dinosaurus. We met Dinosaurus. I'm sure he'll never show up again. Never. But is no, he cool? One yes. off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's nothing bad that'll ever happen with him. He's no. awesome. Through and through for that one issue we see him, and that's it. <laughs> Listen, if What's you up, can Dallas? say one thing about Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley, they never waste a cool design. Ryan no, Otley would be like, here's this random ass guy. And Robert Kirkman's like, oh, shit, that's going to be a main character now. We did it. We did it. Right <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like the first issue Ryan Otley ever did. He's like, what if I put this funky little tiger man in here? And Robert Kirkman's like, oh, shit. That's a new main character. <laughs> well, I got like 17 ideas just off jump, bro. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> You're about to see him again and again and again. And again. Did you know he's got a whole planet? He's their savior. And Ryan Otley's like, oh. oh. And he's like, he has a dinosaur with metal underpants. And Robert Kirkman's like, oh, shit. That's going to be a quarter of our book. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. All right, no spoilers about dinosaurs yet. But he is also one of my favorite uh, characters. So dinosaurs. that's coming up. And Lexi, you're going to hate him. So no! Gonna... Don't tell me that, Evan. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I'm going to predict that right now. Um, but, <sighs> yes, we got all these amazing characters coming up. Powerplex, the squid things that were there, the Flaxins. Um, uh, Angstrom Levy had a huge thing. And so you have all these cool things happening. Mark, Mark's going through it emotionally, physically, everything. And right when you think it's over, you're about to get that break issue. You're like, oh, they're cleaning up the mess. Powerplex comes back for a second. He gets his ass whooped. You're like, finally... Mark could like reflect on everything that happened. Here you hear someone say, get your ass up, son. And you're like, what the hell are you talking to? And this is flying ass, big ass old man with a hammer, <laughs> with a mustache, a white mustache, bald as hell, big robot arm. It's just like, yo, I'm about to test your ass. You better stand up, son. <laughs> and Mark's just like, bro, can we not? I cannot do this right now. And Congress was like, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Get your ass up right now. And then he's like, Mark's like, yo, if you want the hands, I'll throw them right now. I'll throw them right now. And Cockroach said, that's exactly what I want. And Mark said, what? Boom! And he gave throwing the <laughs> for three issues. <laughs> Back and forth, the Cockroach going like, I live for this. And Mark's like, yo, bro, hold on. Can we talk this out? And Cockroach's like, you think I'm going to let you talk for one goddamn minute? You can surrender? Fuck you. <laughs> just around the town. He's like, yo, you're not in it. You're not in it. Your head's not in the game. I want you to fuck me up. I'm trying to get these hands. You're not throwing them. Is this your girl? Bah! Yo, not anymore. Is she dead yet? Get your ass up. And then Mark's finally just like, yo, that's it. You killed my girl. That's the love of my life. You're not. And the thing that Mark says, hold on, I gotta find out exactly what he said. Because it's the coldest thing it's I ever heard most- Mark say. Ice cold line delivery in the entire world. This man took a screenshot. Hold up, is staring down. I'm vamping for you while you find it. This man is staring down conquest, drenched in the blood of Adam Eve. You, as the reader, have not breathed in three issues. I can't even imagine reading this week to week. And Mark hits him with, "I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how fast you are. I can see the future. You don't live to see tomorrow." bars oh holy shit that is bars that is bars and that's the end of the issue you flip to the next issue conquest laughs in his face (laughs) this dude 
was cold as hell. And so finally, Marcus punches through his metal arm. He punches him so hard. He breaks his own arm. And Conquest's like, finally, you get it. This is exactly what I want. Kick my and then he gets punched in the face. Mark's like wailing on him. Conquest grabs his arm, breaks his hand, and then like, Conquest's like, that's it. You can't do anything else. So what does Mark do? He headbutts him. He headbutts this guy so many times and so hard, he caves Conquest's face in. And then you're like, it's over. We did it. And who returns five issues later? Conquest again. He's not <laughs> done. He wants the hands once more. He's the best goddamn villain on this planet. All he wants is to smoke. And he keeps asking for it. And he keeps getting it. And he's coming back. He's a maniac. I love this dude. That's what villainy is all about. Like, I love cold, calculated villains like Dr. Doom where he's just like, I have Liberia. I'm going to plant. Blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. Great. That's awesome and stuff. You got, like, Green Goblin. He has, like, his whole fucking thing going on. I think about him. But then you got Conquest, who's the only thing on his mind is... Everyone else wants to, like, save planets and, like, build utopias. I just want the fucking smoke. Throw me the hands right now, goddammit. I haven't had this much fun since Vietnam. Like, he just wants it. He's having such a great time. I love this dude so much. We need more Listen, maniac villains. I'm Conquest so- and Richard Nixon would get along so well. I'm so- oh that was... Thank you for that, Evan. That was fucking beautiful. And I'm mad because I'm going to have to make a TikTok out of that now. Yeah, go, gonna, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. The full page splash where Conquest is coming down and Mark is screaming up at him and there's like the sunburst behind him. What I hear is the perfect hit Smash Bros. Like, ching! Oh, you know, yeah. That's the sound that hit me when those two were screaming at each other. And I was like, oh, almost there. If you ever want an experience, next time you read this, Whatever the reason is, we're doing a read through, whatever it is, play the Doom Eternal soundtrack during this moment. Oh my God. It will go so hard, especially if you can time it right that it hits like a burr, 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 right when Mark says that cold ass line. It just goes crazy. Trust the process. This is when the comic becomes full Doom 2016. When (laughs) it's like, we're going to shred the shit out of everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Lexi, this was your first time reading this. What did you think about the conquest fight? Because this had this is a fight oh. that's on a completely different level than anything like I, before. I feel like my soul literally left my body. Like I had to go and find it. I had to hunt it down in my house and bring it back and say, We're not done yet. Come on. Like when I'm not kidding, when Eve deceased, when she died, <laughs> I said, What is this? I said, what yeah. is this horse shit that I'm reading? I'm going to throw this compendium out the window. Yeah. I'm not interested anymore. And the absolute, like, Evan has such a point. Like, the absolute chilly comment that came out of his mouth where he's like, you're dead. You are dead, my friend. And then the actual fact that Conquest laughed in his face. I was like, <laughs> well, Mark, it was good knowing you. I don't know what the rest of these compendiums are for because you're dead. <laughs> But Maybe also, like, Eve. Mark is hard as hell. Like, yes. I'm yeah. just cold, we've man. seen Mark get the shit beat out of him by the Viltrumites over and over again. And we've seen him, like, level up to the point where things on Earth aren't a problem anymore. But he's met with a Viltrumite who is stronger than any of the other ones we've seen so far. And it was a little bit like, all that exercise was for nothing. No, it fucking wasn't. Invincible is insane. I... Yeah. Wild melted my brain i'm sorry returning to you alexis sorry no i mean you took the words right out of my mouth like i was so flabbergasted i had to take a lap around the house i really did i put the book down hell yeah when he like gutted eve i really was like i have no interest yeah no interest in this book no more (laughs) he said so long (laughs) 
I my said, friend. Like, I'll only be here for half the episode. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no good words to say. Listen, um, sometimes you got to get cut in half by conquest to have yieldy cosmic your insides need to become your outsides <laughs> and then you just get bigger boobs yeah listen <laughs> boob job <laughs> i don't lady <laughs> oh gosh shout out to boobs Ooh, they were a big part of this comic book a big part for sure I, speaking of boobs i'm sorry side note <laughs> um I feel like it's common knowledge at this point that uh, I am a bisexual woman. But I told my little sister that this weekend, and she laughed out loud and said, I know. I said, (laughs) (laughs) She looked me dead in the eyes, and she goes, I'm not surprised. I was like, "Ah." (laughs) Because the nose ring was a dead giveaway. I said, watch your mouth. You got red so hard. I did. I said, well, if we're going there, you're next, bitch. We've got a betting pool on you. We, we have money bet on that one. <laughs> anyway. Proceed. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Lovely. It really was. She read my ass and I said, well, looks like you're getting left in Salt Lake City. Goodbye. I'm going home. <laughs> but to, you know, to jump off the conquest fight for a second and to go into something that Dallas mentioned earlier that we didn't get to talk about, the Ryan Otley art for this fight especially is just otherworldly. It conveys the the action and the visceral violence of it so well. It It's hard to read some of these pages because I keep thinking back to the spread after we see Mark literally bash this man's head in with his own skull and just the like Play-Doh looking pancake face conquest left on the ground. And there's just some insane detail in that work. And the, the moment where he breaks his um, robot hand... Mm. Perfect. The action in this is so wonderful. And I have to ask, what do you think Ryan Otley does to make these scenes work as well as they do? Because we've seen action scenes in so many different comics, but this feels like it's on a different level. And I'm not sure if I can put into words why that is. For me, I think it's such such a good blend of... I think we're also at the time, like, the only... Let me start over. So <laughs> I read a lot of comics in my days, but at the time when I started reading Invincible, the big comic for me was Ultimate Spider-Man. And what made that stand out was Mark Bagley's art for me, because it was a good combination of realism and like this cartooniness. So you could do all these fantastical things and make it look realistic while still making it you know, feel grounded in a world that was believable to me. Um, and also Mark Bagley's an amazing artist who does like great disaster work and character work when he's like really trying. Um, and so Ryan Otley kind of does something similar where he always goes balls to the wall with the fantastical nature of things. But at the same time, he is able to ground it, at least in its own world, so you find it believable. So when it takes that extra step going from, oh, superhero nonsense to blood and guts and gore and carnage, um, it doesn't feel like that much of a leap. And his art is also just like special. Like it's weird. It's off. Like the way he draws teeth and lips is really weird to me. And sometimes mm-hmm. characters are bent really in odd shapes, but it all seems to flow together somehow. So Ryan Ali is just uh, a marvel, and his style is so distinct and specific that it just elevates everything he does. I think the secret sauce for me on this one, because I was looking at a lot of the line work, and there wasn't a huge... At first I was like, Ryan Ali's becoming more bubbly, but that wasn't... 
what was going on. I think his pencils got tighter. His ability to storytell got better. But there was a switch up in the colorist on this. We went from Bill Crabtree, who colored mm-hmm. the first bit, to FCO Placencia, who brought 3D rendering coloring to Invincible. So we went from flat colors to 3D colors. And I think that it really did a lot. And there was also a sort of like Man of Steel gray wash over all of the blue suit issues Mm -hmm. that I found very interesting. Like the comic became very gray as the tone of the comic became gray morality. Right. But I, I was super torn about whether I liked the flat colors of the first chunk of this or the 3d rendered colors better. And I think both have their value, but it was jarring the shift for me this time. As I went, I was like, these, the art looks very different all of a sudden. What's going on? And I was like, oh, they switch colorists. Okay. And this is the colors that carries throughout the rest of the book. So, I mean, if you don't like it, well, it's here. It's not going anywhere. Oh, I like that. I like that you noticed that. I'm still at that point where I feel like I'm struggling to notice things like that when that happens. I don't pick up on it as quickly. I have been really trying to focus on colorists and letterers lately. One of my favorite comic book podcasts, uh, iFanboy, terrible name, great podcast. They, I've been listening to their backlog and one of them got on like a coloring and lettering kick where mm-hmm. they would, in the same way we talk about artists where I'm like, if Ryan Otley's on a book, I'm going to read it. They would be like, if John Workman is lettering a comic, I'm going to read it. And I was like, how can you feel that way about the letters? But like, I've tried to focus on it now and it really does make a difference. Like I've tried to notice what's going on. And I think FCO Placencia's coloring work really set the tone for Invincible leveling up from superhero comic to this sort of grand space opera, uh, these various cohorts like fighting against each other. It just it felt like it leveled up with Mm -hmm. the coloring changing. And I liked that a lot. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, real quick, um, I do appreciate Dallas's input all the time because he's the one who really studies comics out of like the four of us. Mm-hmm. So it is really nice that you notice the little things like the coloring because it's something that is very distinctly a change. Like you notice it when it happens, but sometimes it's hard to pinpoint and put into words. So thank you for Dallas for uh, pointing that out. Yeah, thank you, thank thank you, you Dallas. Go like your head, bitch. That I come into these with no knowledge whatsoever. I That's why we love you, Lexi. <laughs> That's yeah. why we need you around. You even it's things true. out. <laughs> I do. He he has all the brains. He got the he he depleted mom. That's all we're gonna say. Firstborn, <laughs> nobody else got nothing. All the intelligence went to that one. Good job. Good job, Dallas. What did what did we think of the return of Corey Walker on art? His his style changed a ton mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the first few issues. I do love Adam Eve's new hair. The bangy like, banging. I I like it. It's way more cartoony. It works, but it doesn't work. It still doesn't work that great for me for Invincible. Um, but I do like his work a lot. And like he shows up a lot more uh going forward, especially towards the end. Um and I think towards the end, like I really like appreciate him stepping in because it does feel like it's needed at one point, just because of the story being told. But I don't know. It feels it still feels like we're it's like whiplash every time he shows up and not in like like in the the prison stuff was cool. But other times I'm just like, I don't know, like every time we go back to Alan and Omni-Man, I don't think I personally need it. But it's not like the most it's not the, not the worst thing. He doesn't do a bad job. 
it's just kind of distracting to me personally. I think it is smart to make it intentional where he's always the backup story arcs. Like no matter yeah. what else is going on, the main story is going to be drawn by Ryan Otley. But as this becomes so expansive and big, and frankly, as we're approaching sometimes because I read this so fast, I forget Ryan Otley did this for like most of his adult life. Like every day of his adult life, he was drawing Invincible. And so sometimes I think like I remember a lot of people were really harsh on how sporadic his time on Amazing Spider-Man felt when he was the artist for that. And he just came out and he was like, I did 30 issues. He's like, just because they double shipped. And so it made it feel like I was hardly there. He's like, I drew an issue of comics every month for three years, guys. Like this guy, is he is a workhorse. He puts (laughs) in the work. And when the story becomes too big, I think it's really smart to bring in Corey Walker. That's also a good point. Yeah, I'm just going to say I agree. (laughs) I have no new thoughts to add. I hope he gets to sit back on a beach with his toes in the sand, sitting off of that Amazon money for a while. That guy has earned it. That Amazon money. I'm going to stop you at toes in the sand. Go no further than that. I have such a good question for everyone. Yes. Get get our little minds thinking. What what do you think season two, where do you think that's going to sit in this this bunch of where (sighs) we just read? This is good. Let's do this and then let's shift into yeah. the listener questions. Yeah. Like, what do you think is what they're going to cherry pick from this to put in season two? I think, I don't think we're going to see a lot from what we just read. I think we're going to see the sequids on Earth because we got the first part of that in season one. So I think seeing them on Earth is going to make sense for season two. I think seeing Angstrom Levy is going to be a must. I think we're definitely going to get that first one where he, you know, his encounter with Mark doesn't go so well for him. And I think we're going to see the return of Omni-Man. We're going to get to meet Oliver. I'm pretty sure if I had to put put money on it, I would say that's where they want season two to end because I feel like that's emotionally... Um, like the Oliver, boom, here he is. I was going to say um, with them taking Omni-Man away. Oh, That's where I think yeah. season two... Because I think emotionally that's um, that parallels season one really well True. with him reuniting with his dad and his dad being on that that verge of like that morally gray area where he's like maybe maybe i was wrong to try to take over an entire planet maybe that wasn't a good thing Mm -hmm. i i like that as a stopping place for season two preach that's a good one i agree i think they're definitely going to lean into angstrom levy as a multiverse conduit like multiverse is a very hot commodity right now in pop culture Mm -hmm. so it seems to make sense to me that angstrom's going to be a big part I could see Invincible War being the finale of season three. Cause I know they want the show to last for a while because they did not cover a yeah. lot of ground in season one. So, and they could make this last we for like 10 seasons if they wanted to. As much as like of what we've been reading, uh, it's insane to me how teeny tiny for the first season of the show is. Yeah. Yeah. I really was like, oh, well, there's the first three issues. Man. <laughs> That's really how it feels. <laughs> I was like, it's- oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. I see. I think if anything else from this section that happens there, we might see the breakup between him and Amber towards the end of season two. Because I I think 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 they'd want to put up the will they, won't they of him and Eve for season three. That would make sense to me. That makes sense to me. I think the random oddball guesses I would take is I think we'll see a smaller villain like Dinosaurus or Mm -hmm. Powerplex. Probably not Powerplex yet, even though I think... I do want to see him like really badly in animation because I do think he's like a very fun villain um, with like a very tragic story. But yeah. um, the other character I think they might 
randomly throw in is that uh, Gamora Angela ripoff. I can't remember her name. But with the oh. one who came from a different universe, she's a green woman with like a staff of power yeah. trying to steal energy. What about the, what about the werewolf? Oh, we I, Robert that. Kirkman owns that been? character, so it's possible. Oh. But at the same time, he might have co-ownership, so it might be in the same area as like Tech Jacket, where it okay. might just not show up just because like it's yeah. too gray. That I know. So it's a shame, but for me, I was like, "What is this furry man?" Yeah, Who that's just him? Robert Kirkman being like, I'm going to market myself real quick. <laughs> yeah, me going to say, I did not read the second half of that Wolfman crossover because it was not in the compendium, so I did not go and do extra work. No. Yeah, I'm just, no. I read it. It's, it's pretty good, though. That, 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 that series is okay. It's not bad. It's not invincible, okay. though. It's very safe. What's that's funny is, like, all the spinoff branches of Invincible are not as good as Invincible. Like, it's very yeah. clear, like, what the real book is. Yeah. Gosh. Which I know there's a lot of good, like, there's some Tech Jacket fans out there, but I'm not interested enough to pick up that book. Bitches. Tech Jacket is perfect and Invincible. His book probably isn't that good, but in Invincible, he's a perfect character. <laughs> Listen, the only perfect character is Alan the Alien. Let me write the spinoff. Also, are you so excited to see Seth Rogen's voice come out of Jacked Allen? Yes. Like, little, like, yeah. little Allen is fun and whatever, but, like, once he's, like, Hulk Hogan'd out, I'm so excited. Like, perfect casting. Perfect casting. You cannot tell me otherwise. Oh, with that all being said, does anyone have any more thoughts before we get on to listener questions? No thoughts head empty. No thoughts head empty. All about conquest. Only conquest in this brain, baby. <laughs> and nothing's going to make you want to work out more than watching conquest kick Mark Grayson's ass and then vice versa. Like, just, I got so pumped up that. Conquest is why you need a safe word. That man did not know when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. Something that, again, the Geek Explained podcast brought up on their big deep dive into Invincible was that little line from Conquest where he's like, almost there. Like, once he's, like, starting to get hit, too. They're like, it seems like he's, like, getting off on this. Yeah. Like, a little yeah. bit. Like, it's... He's a scary guy. I think he's scary because he really embodies what the Viltrumite co- culture is supposed to be and what yeah. Omni-Man said it was, but to like the furthest extent. And that's what makes him so terrifying is he is more that ideal than he is man. He is hmm. in that, like that propaganda, that like idealized version of what they think they should be. That is him. He has given himself over to that idea. He is not a person. He is the Viltrumite dogma. Yeah. Oh, the last right. thing I want to say before uh, questions is that I think Cecil also is really interesting character that we don't talk too much about, but I think garbage. it's really cool that <laughs> garbage. I'm so angry at Cecil. I'll fight him. Why? What do you do? He's such a bitch. He's just doing his job. Yeah, but that makes him a bitch. It's because he's from guess. the end. His, his, his job description is be a bitch. And, his job, you know, his job description fine. is deceive. The end. I don't know. He helps Mark so much out. And Mark is Mark was being unreasonable at one point, to be well, fair. Yes. Like when he like Cecil shouldn't have brought him to the white room and like surprised him like that with yeah. those animen. But at the same time, Mark was acting crazy. His dad almost destroyed the planet. And Cecil was, with the exception of like the earpiece thing, which was fucked up, Cecil was in his right to be like, you're acting out of line and we need to talk about this. <laughs> so I, I always like Cecil as a character because he is always on that line of like, you kind of go like, ooh, I don't like you, government man. But you're like, ooh, you're also like, you're trying to do your best. And I can see what you're doing yeah. here. 
I think all the times he goes like he did keep conquest in his basement (laughs) unforgivable just in case unforgivable and it worked out everyone was fine and also conquest is really cool so who wouldn't want to keep him around okay you know (laughs) i can't i i was with you with the like cecil's like yeah i get you you're you're kind of a bitch but i understand it's it's okay come here your your job is tough sweetheart that's okay but yeah no i did like the panel where he's like trying to get mark to stop and he's chasing him across the planet he's just like shit yeah. shit shit that was <laughs> that was fun okay into viewer questions oh, i do not have any of these in front of me so i'm gonna yeah. rely on dallas to to start us off here listen we got two very long ones and i was like there's no good way to screenshot these and send them Red. so awesome. i'm, just, read I'm just gonna read them perfect all right so first from joe loves comics Hi, all. Glad to have the whole gang back for another awesome Invincible episode. As you will know, the comic gets kicked up many notches, so I'm excited to hear what you all thought of it. First of all, (laughs) do you think Oliver would get along with any of the younger or formerly younger sidekicks of the DC universe? So everyone that's raising their hands, let's answer that question first. Sorry, I just discovered this button. I so I'm just exploring. <laughs> oh, you raised your hand first, Evan. You go. Um, what was the question? The... Do you think Oliver would get along well with any of the sidekicks from the DC universe? Thank you for asking, because I didn't I hear like it him either. And Damien would beat the shit out of each other. I, I, I feel like that so question is definitely like, bait for us saying he'd get along with Damien. They would he not be Damien along. Wayne. They would, they would hate along. each other. Tasmanian yeah. Devils. Hates himself, 100%. <laughs> I um, see. With that, though, like, John Kent would like him. Yeah. I was going to say, that would be an interesting yeah. one, because he'd be like, you kind of cool. And then he's going to kill someone, and then he's like, Jesus Christ, I haven't seen violence like that since I had a cat. Oliver Jeez. is the kind of kid that bites. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. What'd you say? Oliver is the kid that bit people at school. That's You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's his bug half. He can't control that. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, think lo- I think Oliver would get along with uh, Lobo. Not a kid, but <laughs> they didn't Honestly, I would get along at least. Oliver and Lobo. Wait, Lobo. new fifty-two regular? punk Robo. Okay, Lobo. Yeah. yeah, that was my question. A lot yeah. of people hate that Lobo. I didn't mind him. Frankly. I like him a lot, actually. I didn't like Lobo before I liked him, and then I liked Lobo after that. And even now, I'm just kind of like, yeah, they're both cool. Yeah, yeah. rather than Gambit, that's for damn sure. It's so true. I am deeply gambivalent. <laughs> um, that's my favorite favorite thing that's ever been coined i don't know who coined it but it's my favorite it's a very real phenomenon because so many people have that little pepe Le Pew in their head all the time and i do not care about him at all no all right also the first portion you covered had some intense moments but nothing compared to the second portion of issues i love just how much the series steps up it feels like it really evolves into its own identity as a comic showing how fresh of a superhero comic it wants to be, whilst also keeping some familiar tropes mixed in. What do you think of this ability of Invincible to get more and more interesting, exciting, and just generally more dramatic as it goes along? It feels like the scale and stakes just get bigger and bigger. You know, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the further this comic goes along, the less it steers into those superhero tropes. Mm -hmm. It starts steering into what makes Mark Grayson and Viltrumites and Viltrum as a whole unique. And whenever it does that, that's when the comic really seems to explode for me, just in terms of um, tension, in terms of excitement, in terms of action, and also in terms of complexity and intrigue. I think when it's it's best when it's doing that really interesting space opera stuff. Because that's the world building I like to see. 
Agreed. I think for for me, I, I kind of like a lot. I think it still does a lot of the times comment on the state of the comic world uh, as it's going on. Like, we'll see in the next one, we'll meet a character who uh, gets to fill in for another character. And it's kind of a commentary on how, uh, at the time, like, you had all new different uh, Avengers. You had all these different characters taking over legacy roles. And it's a little bit of commentary on that uh, going on at the time with a darker twist that doesn't work for me, but other people might. Uh, mm. Then later, uh, we have one of my favorite uh, story arcs called Reboot which I think is the most interesting thing you could have possibly done with the concept they did at the time they did. Um, And it's a a fantastic idea. So I still think these things are happening, but we're starting to see, like Anne was saying, we're seeing more focus on Bill Tremites and what makes Mark Grayson work. And I think what also works a lot is that all these things are just snowballing on each other and they're allowed to do that. So a lot of comics are not allowed to snowball because you have events they have to tie into. You have... Uh, status quos that companies want them to keep. You have to start over with new runs, with new creative teams over and over and over again with new number ones. Um, and even though this comic does have a lot of number ones, almost as a joke at some point, um, they're always still allowed to like grow with the character. So when the character is restarting, it makes sense for where he's at. So we get like in this, um, we didn't talk about it, but the one issue 71, I want to say is called, or maybe not 71, but one of the issues is called Invincible Returns. And it's because that's the new number one starting point for new readers. So you still have all these trends that you have in the comic industry, but they're allowed to actually grow as Mark grows because uh, this is a world that's allowed to continue to go and not stop or restart every 12 issues. Absolutely. Lex, what do you think of the ability to upscale the drama as this book continues to go? I really just feel like for me, it's becoming more and more unhinged, which just like basically has grabbed me by the throat and was like, here we go. Prep yourself. It's getting worse from here. This is literally the middle. Not even the middle. <laughs> Not even the middle. I don't even know what else could happen. I'm so flabbergasted. I just need to go put myself to bed. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I'm also excited. I'm also stressed because I'm almost done with the compendium that I have and I don't have the third one yet. Stressed. <laughs> stressed. <laughs> I have to buy that. <laughs> I got to see what this compendium ends. I need to know. <sighs> All right. So last question from Joe. Anyway, Dallas, I appreciate you mentioning your love for Arrested Development last week. You're so right. Such a great show. One of my favorites. Finally, to close out on a similar note, what TV series, which was canceled too soon, would you bring back? Personally, I was really disappointed to see the Paper Girls show canceled the other day <sighs> after only one season. I thought it was great and would have loved to see more of it. Hope this email wasn't too long. I wish you all the best, especially Anne. Hope everything is going okay for you. And I look forward to hearing the episode, Joe. Oh, thank uh, you, Joe. What we bring him back? Thanks, Joe. Um, glad, um, you know, Anne specifically gets a shout out. I, I went through a lot. <laughs> I've been through Drama. it. You're the one who's going to keep it quiet. <laughs> I, I did appreciate the email last week that's like, I hope Anne, everything's going well with Anne and her newest evolution. I'm like, I'm a Pokemon now. That's very cool. Yes. But TV show that we would bring back. Um, I don't know if it's say is like ended too soon, but I do really love Futurama, and there's not Mm -hmm. anywhere near enough seasons of that. Even though there are 13, I don't want to hear it. We could have like 45 at the end. Thank you. Give me more. See, my Uh, my choice is problematic because I'm still I'm still writing that I would like another season of Firefly Boat, but I don't want Joss Whedon anywhere near it i want him within like 
five miles of it. So I want that continuation of Firefly and Serenity because I love that universe so much. And that feels pretty basic, but, you know, I'm sticking with it. Also, going with my my women-loving women solidarity, I would like to see another season of First Kill. Because even though that show wasn't perfect, it was fun and cute, and I would like to see it continued. Hmm. Rad. Um, Dallas, go ahead. I am sad the Deadly Class only got one season. I... <sighs> feel bad for Rick Remender and all the people that put a lot of love into that and corporate shenanigans killed what I think could have been a very popular show for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it came out now, it would have probably succeeded because Ben Dick Wong is such like a popular person now all of a sudden. Meanwhile, I was always on the Wong train. Everyone hopped on too late. I was there watching Gemini Man mm-hmm. with Will Smith and then oh. Mary Elizabeth Winston popped up and I was like, this is the best movie of all time. And then Ben Dick Wong showed up Three of my favorite actors are in this one movie. And I was like, this is amazing. I hope it makes a billion trillion dollars. It made 12 bucks in a Snickers. <laughs> it made nothing at the box office. I would love $12 in <laughs> <and> a Snicker. <laughs> oh, me too. Everyone, please that. send me $12 in a Snicker. My address is. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts her out. I have her um, address. DM me, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I can dox everyone on this podcast. <laughs> Great. True. Don't, Don't make enemies. Don't make uh, enemies. So the shows I wanted to shout out real quick was uh, there's a show called Sirens that came on I think FX at some point or oh, USA I heard came that on USA. Good. Yeah, it lasted yeah. one season, but it was a fun um, buddy cop situation. But they're all EMT, so it was like it really felt refreshing of a concept, and it, it really opened up my eyes to some of the inner workings of that. And it was really funny. So and there's an actress in it that looks like a discount Rachel McAdams. So like, how could it have lost? I don't know. It's actually the actress that plays Sonya Blade. In the Mortal Kombat movie. So, like her. Yeah, so she's pretty cool. The other show I can't remember the name of right now, but it's an FX show starring uh, Jay Burknall. Jay Burknall. Burknall? The guy who did the voice in uh, How to Train Your Dragon. He's like, hey guys, it's me, Jay. He sounds like that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not not You're the Worst. It's um, Man Seeking Woman. There we go. Man Seeking Woman was three seasons long. (laughs) It's fantastic. Eric Andre's in it. Jay Burknall is in it. And it's fantastic. It's funny. It's satirical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot. It's a show that I think everyone would actually benefit from watching because it talks about relationships in a very funny, open, but thoughtful way. And I think a lot of people would see themselves and be like, oh, maybe I should stop this negative or toxic trait that I'm doing. Um, it got three seasons, so a good run. But I feel like it could have gone for like two more and got canceled, unfortunately. So. I also uh, I don't want James Franco to get any money. But I do wish that Freaks and Geeks had had more seasons. Mm. Only one season of Freaks and Geeks is a heartbreaker. I just put Dave Franco in that. I just got the um. I got my answer. I need another season of Star Wars Rebels, please. (laughs) 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 I was waiting for that. I need one less season of every single TV (laughs) show owned by Disney. (laughs) One less season. If it only has one season, that means no seasons of it. Ouch. Yeah, no more Moon Knight, baby. You still, no you're taking my Knight. fucking Owl House away from me? Fuck, no, Owl House. Give Owl House seasons forever because that's fucking amazing. The fact Listen, that the third season was, is just three episodes is some bullshit. It was already that's some canceled. homophobic bullshit. All right, we're going to speed run some questions because I want to watch House of the Dragon. Uh, <sighs> Geek, the Geeksplain Book Club writes in and says the animated series has already shuffled around events and changed them both in small ways and big ways from the comic. When it comes to this section of the series being adapted for the show, is there any story slash character that you would want to see changed for the show? 
changed. I more emphasis on Adam Eve. I want to see her doing her thing more away from Mark. Give give her some character development. I like it. I like it. All right, everyone else, speed run. Let's go. What else do we want to see changed? More Rex Blood and more dinosaurs. Um, I want them to let Omni Man have his big butt. The end. I would like Alan and Omni-Man to kiss. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. All right. And sliding in under the door, because we're running long, Jacob Goodhart gets to have his question read that was sent one minute ago. (gasps) (laughs) No way. Go, Jacob. It says, hey, Comics Collective, I caught your last Invincible episode, and it made me go back and watch some older eps of yours, and I'm happy to be listening now. Listen, you got on the show, Jacob. So you're going through one of my favorite comic book series and covering probably my favorite era of the comic. Everything that happens after issue 50 where Mark finds out about Cecil was mind-blowing when I read through it, and I can't wait for the show to adapt everything we see here. It also has one of my favorite costumes for Mark with his black and blue suit. The next era, though, well, that's going to hurt on so many levels. Okay, but my question is, given how Amber is very different in the show compared to her comic counterpart, do you think she'll stick around longer in the show with possibly new storylines? Thanks. Have fun reading the greatest book in the universe, Jacob Goodhart. Yes. Why do you think she's not that different? Ooh, I can she's see different. that. Yeah. I think she's different. She's a lot more, um, I don't know the right word, but she's a lot more direct in the show. Like they kind mm-hmm. of take that the Amber you meet initially who's like, here's my number. And this run with it to a, to make the character. She's not different, but she's different. She's like she's a lot more direct, I think. Uh, and I think because of that, she will stick around a lot more. I think she's we're gonna see her a lot more until at least like the Invisible War, or maybe a little bit after that, or like when they do the next thing that happens. I don't want to spoil anything, but um, I think that might be a point where they're like, all right, we're gonna take a break with Amber for a little bit and come back to her. So I don't know how much I can say. <laughs> Yes, yeah, to yourself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think they'll lean into like a love triangle thing? I hope they do not. Uh, I, hope I, they I hope they don't. I, Everybody knows Adam Eve is supreme. The end. <laughs> Knowing how they're gonna, oh. I, I bet they swing into it because they're. Yeah, it's a, they're writing a show. They're like, we need people hooked on this. We're gonna we're gonna play into anything that gets people in seats. So, my biggest issue with that is just because Amber is like. It was very cool to see Amber and Mark come to the same conclusion at the same time that this relationship wasn't working for them. So if they play into that love triangle angle of it, I'm going to be very upset. And also, yep. I feel like that's just more of like, you know, the same thing we always get. Invisible shouldn't be the same thing we always get. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Say so not saying it's something I support, but I think it's something they'll probably do. Because I know I've seen it happen before. <laughs> yeah, that's a can't-cancible can-cancible can't, opinion, oh, and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, glad to be back for my last show. Um, <laughs> Listen, if they kill the Mahler twins in the show as well, I'm through. The worst thing <laughs> Oliver ever did, the worst French violence that's ever occurred was the killing of the Mahler twins. Are you kidding me? They're some of the greatest characters ever created. And I muted myself because I didn't want to keep going. Yeah. But that's funny. <laughs> That was beautiful because you were very animated, and um, I'm sorry I didn't get to hear it. Yeah, yeah. sure was great. Should um, we close out this show? We shall. Yeah. We shall. Okay. All right, everyone. Is it me? Am I going? Yes. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Anne. You were going to no, start, okay. and then I was like, I'm sorry. All right, everyone. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow us on our Twitter account at CMX Collective or on our 
uh, TikTok, which is the Comics Collective. Dallas's cute face is over there. Go see him. Um, and there are, we all have personal Twitter accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. Evan, plug your stuff. I would love to do that. My name is Evan Von Doom. You can follow me at Evan Reads Comics on the Twitter.com. You could also listen to my podcast that I co-host with the fabulous Dallas Taylor called What's Next Comic Book Podcast, where every month we go over the comic book solicitations for a bunch of publishers like Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, uh, uh, TKO sometimes. We'd love to do them more. And you can also follow that podca- podcast at, at What's Next Comics on the Twitter.com. And if you're interested in any of my plugs, you should go read... Uh, comics that I like, including uh, Sabretooth by Victor Laval. Mm. Snaps. Random Snaps. Shout out there. I want to piggyback and say Read Firepower by Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney. Oh, Firepower's really mm, good. Yes. Read Do a Powerbomb. Sorry, I'm just shouting out good Read things. Read Do a Powerbomb by Dan Warren Johnson. Please. Read love of God. The All-Nighter from Chip Zdarsky. Comics. I got those first two issues. Original. Need to get into that. It's good. Mm. All right. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we'll read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. Please keep those general questions coming in. I love talking about things other than comics too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we will see everyone here next week for our episode on Animal Man. Listen, we called an audible... I'm in a Grant Morrison mood. We're reading Grant Morrison's Animal Man. I allowed it. It what? actually we're, might we're, have we're not, sort of been my idea. We're not reading the the Meyer Animal Man, the New Fifty Two. We're not doing that. <gasps> no. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Let's swap things. Call for later. The end of the podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>